good news for me um oh and you know what I uh, <laughs> uh I'm actually feeling really good because something happened that confirmed something for me you see there was oh god how do I even get into this okay so basically there was this person and I wanted to know something about them, but I couldn't find the information. But I found the information, but there's also... Do you know what? Now this is going to make sense to you, because I can't say anything concrete about it. Because... <laughs> legal reasons. But anyway, I now know something that puts my soul and my spirit at peace. So that's good news for me. Um, do you know I always do this? I say really vague shit, and I know it's really annoying, and I'm sorry, but... Anyway, should we get on with the episode, darling? We've got an awful lot of things to talk about um, and an awful lot of things to share. So, without further ado and things. I used to feel so lonely as the lights ran up and down behind the trees. Faraway motor cars on a faraway motorway that made themselves so achingly clear to me from over the hill as I stood in the cold and sometimes the rain, smoking and taking it all in from the front garden. Lonely in a valley, vaulting from town to town in my imagination, but always being dragged from daydreaming by how distant the din of the outside world really was wrapped in vines and tied to a rural hell that seemed to choke me on its clean air and all its airs and graces. Everyone goes to church at Christmas and Easter. Everyone wears skirts below the knee. Everyone knows everyone's secrets and everyone goes out with everyone that has the same postcode and some kind of incestuous insistence that had me hopeful for the hangman's soft hands around my laboured neck so I could drop out of the dismal dating pool and finally be at peace. I had seen it all. Motor cars and motorways that were far away but held so much promise. So I set off in the cruel and quiet night to see if I could bring them a little closer. For those that do not know, I used to live in a small village um, and I fucking hated it. Um, I found it very lonely because, you know, there was nothing to do. There was nowhere really to go. 
Um, and it was just, it was very isolating, you know, kind of being on the outside of the world, you know. Uh, and from my garden, because uh, I lived on this big hill, and I could see the motorways and, and a little bit of London. And it used to make me feel even worse because I'd be like, oh my God, look, the outside world is over there and I can see it, but I can't touch it and I'm not there and I hate it. Um, and I, I don't know, I just started thinking about it the other day. <laughs> because I'd... Um, I, I rewatched Dancer in the Dark, you know, the film with Bjork. And for some reason that reminded me of, of when I lived there and just the helplessness of feeling like you're an outsider outside of the world um it really is like it is in tv shows you know how in tv shows and they have like a small village and it's you know this kind of close-knit gossipy backstabby community and everyone knows everyone's business everybody's talking shit about everybody behind their backs everybody just kind of links up with everyone nobody really goes to the outside nobody talks to outsiders no one dates outsiders you know that kind of thing um that is what it's really like and I found that very difficult because I had always felt like I was supposed to be somewhere else I never felt I felt very restricted, you know, um, because I didn't, you know, I didn't really get on with people around there and, and they didn't seem to like me much either. And I just felt like there's a whole world for me to explore, but I'm stuck here in this place and I am not having a good time. Um, I used to call it the village of the damned. Um, <laughs> uh, there was nothing there, just a couple of pubs and, and a shop that was kind of between two villages. Um, but thankfully I've escaped now I live in a a, a, a smallish town um, but you know we actually have more shops and uh, banks and, and decent public transport and things like that and, and that that is great and you know Uber Eats acknowledges that we exist and delivers here and, and, and that really does something for my well-being I feel um <laughs> I think I'm just I'm not I'm not supposed to be in a rural place I'm not a country girl like I just I wasn't built for it and that's okay I'm sure there are some people that enjoy it like I, I know that a lot of people they like to retire to the country or or they just like living there or something I don't know um but for me no I I couldn't do that again I I think I'm town's preferably a city I'd love to live in the city again I think it'd be great I used to live in London when I was at university and and my god it was fabulous um <laughs> uh but I just I think sometimes your surroundings they really just impact on every aspect of your life because you feel um if you feel limited and you feel stuck it just affects your, your mood all the time and you just feel like, oh my God, I got to get out of this place. I got to go do something. I got to go be something. I don't want to... I don't want to waste the life I've been given being unhappy. And so you have to do it, you know, and it's not easy. God knows it's not, especially with the world in its current state and the, 
the fucking state of the housing market and the rental market and all that. But you can't be unhappy forever. You've got to at least do something to alleviate that happiness. I mean, me at the time, I used to daydream a lot. But eventually I was like, you know what? I can't stay here because if I do, I'm just, I'm wasting away and I can't do it. So thankfully... I'm somewhere I'm a little bit happier. And that's wonderful news. My mint madness breaks bulbs, shatters the stillness, broken glass panes are my only companions, as I compile a long list of reasons that my suspicions are not just baseless paranoia. Emerald soul, there is grass inside my bones, growing strong and defiant. It wraps around my waist and my brain, injecting invasive thoughts and conspiracies every time you touch me. Do your hands belong to my loving lime heart? Will you always be true to me, Blue? Okay, so I don't know if anyone remembers this TV show, but I do. At first, I thought when I was remembering, I was like, wait, did this really happen or did I dream this? But then I was like, no, girl, you used to own the videos of this show. Like, it really existed. And so I looked up on the internet and I was able to find all the episodes and I rewatched them this week. And I was like, yes, oh my God, living my best life. So the show I'm talking about um, <laughs> uh, is, I believe it was 2000. Yeah, the year 2000, there was a remake of Randall and Hopkirk Deceased with Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, right? Now, I remember it being really good, and when I rewatched it, I thought it was really good too. But from what I've found online, apparently it was like commercially panned and everybody hated it and it was critically panned or whatever. Wait, critically said, commercially said. God, I don't know. Anyway, apparently everyone fucking hated it, but I didn't. Um, but I watched it when I was a kid and I thought it was fucking great. Um, it had this really cool, like, um, like opening, you know, theme and just the, the visuals were so cool and like fucking classy. And I was like, oh, yes, come through, bitch. Um, and it was God's a bop, and it, it, it kind of had like James Bond aesthetics. Um, anyways, I thought it was fucking great, so I rewatched it this week. <laughs> um, so there was lots of people in it as well, like Tom Baker was in it, um, Amelia Fox was in it, um, just like lots of recognizable people so i would have thought it would have been super successful but apparently it was not a popular show anyways but there was one episode that was sticking in my head that made me want to go and find it um and it was one where this baby gets kidnapped right and then randall and hopkirk have to go to to like latvia and then they go there 
to try and find the baby the baby's been kidnapped by a cult and it's like all this spooky stuff and I remember when I was a kid it scared the hell out of me but also I really enjoyed it I think maybe that was like my gateway drug to being like obsessed with horror um so thank you to them for that but anyway how does this relate to the poem that I just read <laughs> okay so there was this um this episode um where <laughs> sorry I'm just thinking about it it's such a funny visual there's this episode where um Jeff and Jeannie are going to this like they're going to deal with a case and Marty starts getting really jealous and then he realizes that when he becomes jealous he does like this sort of high-pitched screaming thing and I thought well god that's relatable as fuck (laughs) and and so I wanted to write a poem about it you know about the idea of you know jealousy becoming a physical thing maybe that doesn't have to just be for ghosts what if like you manifested like literal superpowers no that would be terrible that would be i mean i would definitely get them because i'm a very like hyper emotional person but maybe that's not for the best um go when i'm a ghost i'm gonna be so fucking powerful oh god i can't wait oh but i kind of still want to be alive right now i have stuff to do um but So I guess kind of like I wanted to write about that kind of um, physical embodiment of, of, of emotions and just that sort of out of control, overwhelming feeling when you feel jealous. Like you sit there and you try and rationalize it and you say, you know what, you're being crazy, you're being stupid, shut up. But then at the same time, you're like, but what if I'm not? What if I'm not being crazy? What if I'm not being stupid? What if all of the horrible, paranoid thoughts in my head are coming true right now behind my back and I don't know because I'm looking forward and trying to be positive? What then? You know, and that conflict you have with yourself and you're arguing with yourself and you're saying, look, just can you stop looking mentally unstable so publicly, please? But you can't. You can't because human emotions are really complex and crazy. And I think sometimes that's something that people don't talk about enough and acknowledge enough. You know, being a human is really fucking hard. And the human experience is wild. Like, it's wild, you know. And, and it's it's hard to just regulate yourself and be normal and not be crazy. So I, yeah, I just wanted to kind of explore that as an idea and, and think about it. Um... And I've really had a good time re-watching that show. <laughs> it's so much fun and it's like, it's really glam as a show. Like, it just looks glamorous. Do you know what I mean? Um, and there's a, just, just so many, like, I forgot how many, like, really famous people are in it. Like, David Tennant's in it, um, Steve Pemberton, just like tons of people, like, appearing in minor roles there was just like so many famous british actors it was actually quite insane and i was like oh my god they booked all these people work but then i remembered it was like two decades ago and for a lot of these people they were probably kind of 
not at the heights they are now so it actually makes more sense but that's one of the things I love about going back and watching older tv shows and you get to see actors kind of you know when they were just starting out or when they were just kind of breaking out and it's so interesting I love that um I kind of want to go through and just like watch a bunch of tv shows that I love from my childhood I think that would be a lot of fun um because I mean sure we're allowed to go out and shit now but like I don't know that I want to no I'm kidding <laughs> I do want to I mean there's things I want to do I just need the weather to like sort it shit out because one minute it's like boiling hot sunshine and then the next it's like literal flooding um the other day it had been really warm really sunny all day and then literally about four o'clock I just started chucking it down I was walking to the bus stop let me tell you this literally my whole like all my clothes were completely soaked I was trying to get on the bus. I couldn't make my little digital ticket work because my phone screen was like, I know that Apple told you that I'm waterproof, but I'm not this waterproof, sis. Try me off for a second. It was crazy. Like, I had water in my eyes. Just water everywhere. Like, mm, it was not fun. Like, I love relaxing in the water, but not like that. I felt like I was being waterboarded. I felt very attacked. I was watching The Simpsons um, and I got to thinking about John Barrowman because I was on Twitter at the same time and John Barrowman was trending. I just, I don't know. I guess this segment is just becoming Jennifer talks shit about celebrities while rolling cigarettes, which is what I'm doing right now. Sorry if you can hear it in the background. So, John Barrowman was trending on on the Twitter because, um, well, he's been in a lot of controversy lately. Uh, John Barrowman, for those that do not know who he is, um, he is an actor and things, uh, mainly known, I guess, for, uh, being in Doctor Who, um, and Torchwood, which is a Doctor Who spin-off. 
Um, he also, you know, he did some work on Broadway and Full Offense has just the worst version of I am what I am ever because he really seems to miss the point of the actual song. The best version, by the way, is by Gary Beach. Um, so John Barrowman was recently exposed for some of his behaviour while he worked on Doctor Who. Um, it was exposed that he would do a lot of really sexual things that made people uncomfortable, including just getting his penis out just all the fucking time. Um, and, and, you know, putting his penis on people, which... God, what? Who even does that? That's fucked up. Um, and so there are a lot of people who were very angry with him when this came out, because this all came out. God, I've got to explain all the context. Um, so Noel Clark, who was also in Doctor Who and then went on to become like a, like he directs things or something. Um, so he was, um, he was exposed for a number of different uh, issues of sexual misconduct and so everybody found out about that and they were very angry and then a video resurfaced of Noel Clark talking about John Berriman's weird sexual things but he was joking and laughing about it as if it was funny for some reason I guess when you're also a sexual weirdo then you find other sexual weirdos funny or something um, so John Berriman he kind of ignored that everyone was talking about him being disgusting and gross until about a week ago uh, when he did a little story with the Daily Mail and decided that he was going to tell his side of the story. (sighs) A fucking apology would have been better, but fine, bitch. Um... I really hate this whole thing when a celebrity does something really fucking bad and then they decide, you know what people actually want from me? They want me to give a bunch of excuses and do a photo shoot and it's like, no bitch, we want you to acknowledge that what you did was fucked up. We don't want, like, a PR-managed, ridiculous fucking photo shoot, bitch. Um... Hmm. So... He did his little, you know, Daily Mail thing. He said it was tomfoolery. I don't believe that, like, putting your fucking sexual organs onto people's bodies without their consent is tomfoolery. I think it's gross, disgusting, predatory shit. But okay, bitch. Um... So, I guess, I don't know, he thought that that was the matter closed. (laughs) Am I surprised? No. Um, It's just how things work. But anyway, he was trending today for a completely different thing. Um, So he went onto Twitter. He put up a little video whining about some new film by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, I don't even know what this film is, but oh god it's apparently called old okay so he said 
he tagged M. Night Shyamalan in this fucking tweet as if M. Night Shyamalan's going to read it and be like, oh no, John Barrowman doesn't like my film, whatever will I do? Um, and then he said, um, what a waste of money and an utter shite movie. We get the metaphors, but we still got a refund. We were so disappointed. Don't waste your time or money going to see it. Hashtag shite. <laughs> what a fucking idiot, man. I mean, how will M. Night Shyamalan ever recover after being dragged by the guy in one of the cringiest movies of all time Shark Attack 3 Megalodon what will he do what on earth will he do <laughs> I mean that the gravitas with which John Barrowman delivered the line I'm feeling wired why don't I take you home and eat your pussy how will M. Night Shyamalan recover from this oh my god but I just there are so many things about this that bothered me firstly um, I mean, I don't like that he got a refund after he sat and watched the whole fucking movie. If you're getting a refund, I mean, at least, you know, you, you can't get a refund just because you don't like the thing that you willingly paid to see because the cinema did provide him with the service he asked for. They provided the seat, they provided the film that he he said he wanted to see so what exactly is he getting a fucking refund for you know just because you don't like the thing that you willingly chose to go and see that does not mean you are deserving of a refund that just means you have poor taste um because you picked it you know (laughs) trailers exist i mean yes there are some times when a trailer can be misleading there was a film that i saw a couple years ago oh god what was it called um Oh, I can't remember. I can I can see the poster in my head, but I can't see the title. That's so annoying. Hang on, let me... Okay, let me think, let me think. Um, so anyways, the trailer made it look like it was this, like... Uh, like, horror film. It was these people, they were in a woods. Something bad had happened. Uh, they lived in a cabin. Um, there were these, like, lights and alarms. And Anyway, they made it look like kind of like a dystopian horror film. But in the end, it was just sort of like a thriller... Um, it reminded me a bit, speaking of Emma Shyamalan, of The Village, in that it was kind of portrayed as this, like, next-level horror, and it was going to be amazing, and then it was just kind of like a very basic thriller, bordering on drama, and just wasn't very good. Um, and yeah, I didn't like that film, and yeah, I was kind of pissed that I paid full fucking price to go see it, but did I ask for my money back? No, I just learned from it, and I said, you know what, next time... I'm going to read some reviews before I go see it. I'm not just going to rely on the trailer. I will read some reviews, wait and see, and then I will invest money in going and seeing it, or I will not. I won't be a little bitch and go up to the poor staff that are just trying to do their jobs, just trying to live their lives, and make a big scene to try and get my fucking £14 back. I'm not going to be a bitch about it, you know? And for a guy who probably has as much money as John Barrowman has... For him to do this (laughs) and go out of his way to fuck with these members of staff who are just trying to live their lives because he knows he's he's a celebrity he's a public figure he knows that these staff are not going to be able to say no in normal circumstances if someone came up and said yes i've sat and i've watched the whole fucking film um but i still want my money back even though i got what i paid for 
they would probably say no because it would be against the policy. But because he's a big celebrity and he's going to go online and throw a bitch fit, which he, he did even though he got his refund, they're, they're not going to feel comfortable saying no to him because it's it's the power imbalance of it. You know, he's a big celebrity and he's using his platform to basically bully these staff members into giving him his money back. <laughs> and he doesn't see anything wrong with that. That's the thing. He's so fucking gleeful in this video and he's bragging to his husband about how he got his money back. And I'm like, you're a dick and you can't even see it. I, I mean, am I surprised a guy that would walk around putting his dick on random people doesn't realise that he's being a dick? No, I'm not surprised. But it's still fucking gross. Um... So, I mean, there are other issues I had with this. Like, you know, <laughs> if you don't like something that someone does, then I don't see much value in, like, going out of your way to directly tell them that. I mean, do I think that M. Night Shyamalan goes through all of his tweets and reads all of them and is going to be, like, crying in a corner with a pot of ice cream and a bottle of vodka because John Barrowman didn't like his film. Probably not, realistically speaking. Um, you know, <laughs> trying his eyes with the money he's made from his many successful films. Um, but it's still... It's still a bit out of order. It's like, you know, what if he does read it, you know? Is, is it necessary? Is it a kind thing to do? Um especially as he's not actually giving any proper criticism like if he was giving a valid criticism i could at least say okay fair enough that's valid criticism but he's not he's just he just keeps saying the film was shit the film was shit and it's like but why you're not telling us why you're just saying it is like and then you're running off to be a little fucking bitch and get your money back you're not actually giving us any reason as to why you have done this and why you have taken this action so it just kind of makes you look like a bit pathetic like and the thing is you can tell from how john barrowman acts if someone did this to him he would lose his shit if someone came up to him and said for example your version of i am why i am completely misses the point or you know Shark Attack 3 was bad. I mean, it was a bad film, but you were bad in it as well. He would lose his fucking mind. But he's fine. Just go around doing it to other people. It's wild. Um, and of course, people were talking about, you know, uh, a lot of the other things that he's been involved in lately. His pathetic little article. It was so foolery. Um, but quite a few Doctor Who fans are turning against him, which is interesting to me. Um, somebody said, even if you ignore the sexual assault, which you shouldn't, John Barrowman has been nothing but an arse for the last few weeks. Yes, bitch. Making excuses for his actions in the worst British newspaper, quote tweeting bigots and refusing to take them down, and now insulting a director's work. I don't... Is this bitch having a midlife crisis or something? Like... God, what is going on with him? It's actually really wild to watch. Like, maybe he was always like this, and I didn't know because I, did, I wasn't like keeping up with him regularly or anything. Um, oh God, I, mean, I used to watch Doctor Who. I haven't watched it in years. I kept saying I was gonna start watching again because they had. Um, oh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's um, he's Malcolm in the thick of it. He was in it for a while, and I said I was gonna watch because of that because I like him. Um, and then they had um, the lady come in and I wanted to watch because of that because I thought, oh, you know, this is new and it's different 
but I just I haven't I sort of I stopped watching during the the Matt Smith um, sort of time because I I got bored. <laughs> uh, my my favourite Doctor was Christopher Eccleston, by the way. Um, if you ever wondered, um, but my favourite companion was Catherine Tate. I just think she's fabulous. Um, but I haven't I haven't watched Doctor Who for a while, and I don't really keep up with John Barrowman, you know, in the same way I do with celebrities that I like very much. Um, so I haven't, you know, I don't follow him on social media or nothing, so I don't know if like he's always been this kind of like entitled, crazy, attention-seeking weirdo, or if this is some kind of recent development. I don't know if maybe he's like getting himself into these dramatic situations to try and cover up the fact that everyone keeps talking about him um, violating people's boundaries and being a sexual weirdo on on set. Um, You know, maybe that that is his play. He's just trying to distract people from the main story that people are talking about in regards to him but it's just fucking weird um mm. there are a lot of people saying you know that there was no need for him to make it personal as well and like tag this dude i think that was very unfair i think him fucking being all demanding with the staff at the cinema is really unfair too especially at a time you know it's a pandemic you know, that we're going through, that we're still going through. Cinemas are only just being able to reopen in a lot of places. And, you know, they are trying to make as much as they can because they've been closed for so fucking long. So going and demanding your money back, and it would be for two tickets as well, I think, because his husband went with him. It just, it's, it's a needlessly dick move, you know, because it's like, well, you know... They're trying to claw back as much money as they can after having been closed for fucking months in some places longer because of this pandemic. Some got varying degrees of support from their government. Some got very little. Um, and you have to go in and you have to be a bitch, especially now because most cinemas are like offering special deals and stuff. I know my local cinema, because um, they were closed again because they, they reopened last summer and then they had to be closed again because of the lockdown coming back um so last summer they had a special deal where they had like tickets for five pound and they had to close again this summer when they reopened uh they had for a whole month you could get half price tickets um and then now they've got another special deal where it's like you can you can go and you can see i think it's you see two films and you get one free or something like that um i'm going to see battle royale next week and i'm really happy and excited um but (laughs) but the point is you know uh, normally like before all of this i would have taken in my own snacks under the cover of darkness taking like some haribo or something and a lucas aid because i was like i'm not paying cinema prices but now that i know that they're reopening and i know it's been really hard for all the staff i actually i actually buy the popcorn there you know and I, i'll get myself a drink there but also i like getting the drink because i can use a little soda machine that's cool as fuck it's like a soda stream does anyone remember those i had one when i was like a kid and it was the coolest fucking thing ever but then it broke and i was really sad 
I feel like I was in Star Trek when I'd use it, like using one of the replicators. Anyway, I'm getting away from the point. So when I go to the cinema now, I will make a point of buying popcorn there, buying a drink, you know. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, because they... God, my local cinema now does alcohol. So I'm thinking, what if... But then I'm like, no, I don't want to be sloppy. I don't want to be that girl. You know, and I'll go in and I'll buy my ticket and I'm dead excited. And I go and I, I invest money in local attractions near me so that they stay open because... I think that is very much going to be a thing that we have to do. We have to keep, uh, you know, investing in local bars, local restaurants, local cinemas, all that, because they are struggling to survive right now. And so for him to go in there, stay and watch the whole fucking film, get exactly what he paid for, and then still have the fucking audacity to go in there and be like, well, I want my money back anyway, even though I, I fucking have what I paid for, I want my money back also fuck off fuck off John Barrowman honestly I just it's the midlife crisis for me I (laughs) it's just fucking ridiculous he just seems like a very entitled messy little man and I I I don't know if he's trying to self-destruct his career, maybe, because, like, the way he's acting, I don't think anyone would feel comfortable hiring him. I mean, you've got, of course, the the issues about his conduct on set, but then you've got his behaviour now, and it's like, why would anybody who's casting something look at him and say, yeah, that's the guy we want, you know, the guy that is fucking constantly in controversy shouting at people on twitter making ridiculous fucking videos about directors fucking followed around by his ridiculous disgusting behavior like (laughs) i think he's gonna learn a big lesson that i think um can be one of the hardest to learn in entertainment and that is nobody is talented enough to avoid being avoided you know what i mean you can be the most talented fucking person on the planet you can be the absolute best of what you do but if you are a brat if you are hard to work with if you make other people uncomfortable if you disrupt the environment that everybody else is in no one's going to want to work with you there will come a point when people will cut you off because you are too much of a pain in the ass to deal with and no offense to john barrowman but he is not the only one who can do what he does it's not like he has you know some super unique talent or he is the absolute best at what he does he's not there are people that do john barrowman's shtick far better than john barrowman or on the same level as john barrowman and are not as much trouble and i think that's going to be a lesson that he has to learn or maybe he's already learning it you know (laughs) maybe his behavior right now is because you know when his phone rings it's not his agent and it hasn't been for a while (laughs) and so maybe he's kind of spinning out because he knows it's already happening he's already learning that lesson and he's not having a good time and maybe that's what he deserves i mean you don't get to act like a dick all the time and not expect repercussions people talk especially in the current era you know with social media being so big 
if you, for example, worked on a set and a celebrity was a dick to you, you could go and you could tell all the kids on TikTok in like two minutes and you could go and you could tweet it and everybody knows, you know? So I feel like celebrities, public figures, entertainers have to actually behave themselves and be good people now because if they don't, that shit's about to be exposed. And if you thought all the stuff you did in the past wasn't going to be exposed, well, guess what, bitch? It is. I think that's a good thing, though. There are some people and they'll start whinging about cancel culture and, oh, cancel culture this, cancel culture that. But you know what? Having a platform, having an audience is a privilege. It's not something anyone is owed. It's not something anyone's entitled to. Um, me, personally, I... I feel very lucky that anyone gives a shit about what I do. I really do. I feel so lucky. Every time, you know, I get a a nice comment. Every time someone, you know, presses the like button on a social media post I do. Every time, you know, I get a new viewer on my website. it, it, It still feels like the first time for me. And it makes me feel so fortunate and so lucky. Because I'm just... I'm just someone who who does this because it's what I love to do and it makes me feel very fortunate that people care and people support me and I don't want to ever get to a place where I don't feel like that. I don't want to ever get to a place where I feel like it's my right and that you guys have to love me and, and all this. I don't want to ever be that person who feels like like entitled you know and i feel like if we if we reach a point you know in you know uh poetry podcasting music tv whatever it is where the people involved the creators the the actors the musicians everybody behaves in a positive way i think that's going to be better because it's it's a rough place you know um I've seen shit and it's fucked up and that's why I tend to do a lot of my work alone because because <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to be I don't I don't like the thought of having to share apart my legacy with someone that's a bad person and maybe that makes me paranoid but you know and sure it means that maybe I'm not going to advance as quickly as other people do but I'd rather be going slow at my own pace, taking a little bit more time to get where I'm going and always know that I never have to have anything I do tarnished than to not have that. Um, but I think with social media, with you know people all having the same access to platforms to be able to talk about things, to be able to raise their own voices, you know, people like the John Barrowmans of the world, I think they're starting to realise, I can't be a dick to people anymore, I can't act out, I can't do this, because someone's going to tell somebody, and then someone's going to tell somebody else, and then before you know it, you're fucking trending on the Instagram Explore page, because everybody knows your shit, everybody knows your tea, and it's all out there, Um, and I think that's good, I think being able to hold people accountable in real time, that's good it keeps people safer as well because when you know what the situation is and you know what someone's like you can say okay 
you know what, I don't want that person on my set, I don't want that person on my project, because they're, you know, they're not, <laughs> I don't want to put anyone else at risk, and I think that's, that's definitely a good thing, it's a good resource for people who are creating their own stuff, um, I think he's learning that lesson, there is nobody that is talented enough to be, like, forever powerful, just popping back in to to clarify something i remembered the film i was pissed off about that i went to see based on the misleading trailer and it was called it comes at night and i hated it um but i didn't fucking get uppity and film a video and ask for a refund and bother the director about it so i guess that makes me a better person than john barrowman <laughs> but i think a lot of things do actually i for one have never got out my genitals and place them on a person's body. Hooray for me. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wan and I'm here with my brand new podcast, What the Actual Fuck is Going On With This Whole Politics Business? Now listen, I got questions and you got questions, so let's get together and find out the answers. Because politics is not nearly as complicated as a lot of people want us to think it is. So join me every week where I break down what is actually going on, what is going to happen next, and if I'm being real, laughing at how meme-worthy some of these kids are because they are ridiculous. When you tear down the smoke, the mirrors, the maces and the nonsense, British politics is a clown show. So get your popcorn, put on your red nose and join me every week for all the gossip on all the guys, gals, and non-binary pals that run the country. Strawberries spilled across the clean counter, chased by the sharp silver of the knife that was shepherding them all towards the chopping board, right next to the half pint of heavenly cream. You told me that I'd get a headache from the heat and all my worrying. Popped half a strawberry in between my lips with a kiss on my cheek, and no word about how flushed and fevered my skin was. I wailed as you whispered reassuring words. I threw all the windows open with great theatrics as you chopped, taking a brief break to take two ice poles from the freezer. One blue for you, one pink for me. Placing them both into my mad mouth until I was finally silent. My frozen throat wanted to thank you, suddenly more speechless as you stood on your tiptoes. One kiss two kisses, thunder gently breaking over my head. I do not cope with unusual weather. I just like when it's just kind of standard, like it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's not raining, it's just nice and it's chill and it's okay and it's calm and it's fine. So I wrote something about the heat wave. 
you know, because I, I was getting all freaked out because it's too hot. I'm not having a good time. I'm getting headaches and shit. I'm panicky because I don't, I don't know. Adverse weather just makes me like that. Like, you know how like animals get freaked out about stuff? <laughs> like, I'm like that, you know? Um, so I was kind of just imagining like, you know, my dream girl just like sorting out all my problems she's in the kitchen making strawberries and cream i'm being dramatic and weird but she's like not phased by it at all um she makes me strawberries and cream gets me an ice pole from the freezer maybe two i haven't had ice poles in ages but i did get a mcflurry the other day i want a mcflurry again today but i mustn't or maybe I will. I don't know. I feel like the luxury of being able to just have them literally just delivered to my house has gone to my head. And I'm like, I could just get a McFlurry. I could just do that. Fuck it. Why not? It's... God. I, I've become a monster. You know. Anyway. So just this kind of idealistic scenario. This kind of slice of life, you know. Just two, two girls living together they're gals they're pals but they're not gal pals they're girlfriends just to clarify um and they're living this idealistic little life like in the movies you know like the really gay movies that all the girls on tumblr like um i actually i don't really i haven't seen many of them I think because, well, there's, you know, there's that SNL sketch where they're like (laughs) making fun of them and it's like, oh, you know, it's kind of a vintage movie and the girls will occasionally touch sometimes and that will be enough. And I'm like, God, I can't, I can't, um, I just, I don't know for me, I think cause I'm, I'm a very dramatic person. I like dramatic love and it feels like a lot of films and things about lesbians are not very dramatic maybe i should write one it could be very dramatic Mm. you know kind of death defying um hyper emotional romance that's we deserve that on the big screen the straights get it all the time you know why not us Hmm. okay maybe i just gotta get like a sugar daddy for a little while just so I can finance this because I mean making a film is an expensive venture so hmm I wonder if you can get a sugar daddy but like you don't talk to them or let them touch you or look at you directly in the eye hmm I'll have to look into that either that or I'll just go with like a kickstarter or something is kickstarter still around I think everyone's kind of like switched over to GoFundMe or something. I don't know. But anyways, I feel like this is a movie I should write. But the question is, do I have the fucking attention span to sit down and write a full screenplay? I know that I can write a screenplay because I, you know, I spent several years learning how at university. But do I have the attention span for it? I don't know. Oh, you know what I could do? You know what's easier to do? (laughs) Well, it's not easier, but less expensive certainly a radio drama (gasps) yes a radio drama about lesbians oh my wait 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 what about this 
Okay, so I love um, the radio series of The Saint. It's one of my favourites and I listen to it all the time. Um, because I rediscovered it recently, a couple months ago. I think I talked about it on here, I don't know. But anyway, something like that. A, a, a lady detective and her wife who does something else but isn't a detective but somehow helps with all the cases um she could be she could be uh um <gasps> no no that's terrible um she makes cakes she she she's a teacher she she's a true crime podcaster okay a lady detective and her wife who is a true crime podcaster working together solving crimes solving murders going on adventure i was about to say one of them was a ghost and i was like girl we do not want to get sued we do not want to get sued because you basically just described if like Randall and Hotkirk deceased was like about two women who were gay girl okay okay so one of them's not dead they're both very much alive Mm, lady detective true crime podcaster what would I call it sublime crime uh 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 I don't know. Do you know what? I feel like I need to actually sit down and do this. This could be fun. Wait, they don't have to be detectives. They could be something else. They could be something... Um... Okay. So... Hmm. Oh, you know what would be good? I've always had a fantasy of writing this and I never get round to it. So you have an atheist, right? And then they fall in love with this girl. And then it turns out that the girl is like the reincarnated like reincarnated form of jesus or something i just think that would be so funny like oh my god wait you're you're like really jesus and i'm like yeah but like i'm reborn as a woman and the atheist is like what i i don't know (laughs) i get all these ideas and i never actually write them and i just write something completely different I am actually writing something that that involves um, wives, as it happens. But that's for Halloween. Uh, And it's not going to be a radio drama. But it could be. (gasps) I just have to reformat things a little and I could do it. Oh my god. Well, this is it now. That's going to be the rest of my career. I'm just going to write radio dramas about lesbians doing things. Lesbians calming down in the heat. Lesbians solving crimes. Lesbians having, like, conflicts with a midwife that may turn out to be spooky. Um, Hmm. Love this for me.
Your heartbeat is so heavy inside my head. And your breath is a beautiful laboured melody that I know I will eternally hear. I'm afraid of what happens when I'm alone again. I've been alone. I remember the way that I watched the sun obsessively, seeing it rise, admiring it as it hung high in the sky all day, and then weeping as it vanished. Don't vanish. Don't go to sleep. I remember life before you. My eyes were so weighted, constantly underwater. I used to watch the sun, wait for the moon and hope that it would bring me some comfort, but it never came. I blame myself, Blue. God, I remember my life before you. I would look in the mirror, making eyes and putting lip gloss on a stranger. There was someone like you once, but neither she nor I was awake and realizing what we were witnessing. So when the pain of parting sank in, it came as a surprise. I am not surprised now. I am an old woman now. I am on autopilot. I make you a pot of tea. I check in yet again with our son to see when he will swing by. I ask him so casually. I do not mop the monsoon of tears as I speak. I simply ask when he will visit his dying mother. I do not recall his response. And I make you more tea. Then I fall to the floor in frustration when I realise that you are surrounded by an army of teapots full of cold gold that cannot stop you from taking this journey. I remember life before you, Blue. Before the boy. Before the big house in Edinburgh that I was afraid of when we first moved in because all I had to fill out was a few dresses and my notebooks and my old records. I remember life before I would wake up to a warm woman who held me like I was something precious. The boy will be here soon. I kneel beside the bed we have shared and I beg for your forgiveness. You hold my hand with as much strength as you can muster and I must have fallen asleep because in an instant I hear the front door slam and your voice, strangled but still sweet, calls my name. The hands of the clock want to hurt me they have stolen hours and the sun is setting. The world doesn't seem to understand that you are mine. They don't understand that I won't let them take you. The boy is in the doorway. He is trying so hard not to cry and I know that because he is biting his lip until it threatens to bleed, like he used to when he was a child, when he was so afraid to be vulnerable. He doesn't remember life before you, Blue. I almost envy him. I remember life before you, Blue. I remember how much my loneliness would cannibalise me. I remember retiring to a dark room to die before I'd even lived because real life seemed like it didn't belong to girls like me. And then you came along, like a miracle or a Christmas wish, and I looked at you with such childlike awe because at last... My heart had a purpose and the pain would stop and I could finally cry because I was happy and... The pain never really stopped. It just slept for a little while. But the sun always rises. Everyone and everything wakes up eventually and inevitably so does pain. I can feel it stirring in my stomach stretching and yawning as it pads around in an old house coat, making coffee and reading our love story in the morning papers. 
I don't want to remember life before you, but it's coming. I can't fight my head and my horrid memories. They are scrambling and shouting, pushing as they make room for you. I don't want you to be a memory. I want you in my arms. I want you in the car next to me. I want you in the bed, smiling like I'm worth waking up to. I want you smoking roll-ups with me in the garden as I write a stupid sonnet about how stuck on you I am. It's coming. I'm desperate, I'll try anything. You asked me to read the first poem I wrote for you at your funeral, but I can't because it's so stupid and so frivolous and the girl I was back then didn't even really know you. She just wanted to fuck you and Blue, I'm, I'm so in love with you. And you're killing me. You are killing me. I am making tea again. Nobody wants it. I have never liked it, but I'm doing it anyway. I hear you laugh a little down the hall and I'm struck by how much it still stuns me. How beautiful and essential you have always been and how much it will hurt to recall your laugh when the memory of it is all I have left. I think I'm incapable of writing things that have happy endings. I, <laughs> uh, so at the moment I've, I've just finished, um, and that was part of it, uh, a poetry collection um, for the website. So that'll be up in the next couple of days in full. Um, and it's about kind of the life cycle of a relationship. And there's a lot of different things covered in it, you know, kind of um, insecurity, um, motherhood, um, and, and grief. And so when I started writing that, um, it was it was difficult because I, you know, I've had someone that I loved who died but I couldn't be, you know, present in the way that, that in some ways I think I I would have wanted to be, but in some ways I think, I don't know, I think it, it would have been very difficult. So, you know, I wasn't there directly. I wasn't able to be there the whole time. And that was that was difficult um so I was kind of writing from the perspective of someone who who was you know had lived a life with someone had had such a deep love for someone and was having to accept that life and fate was not moved by that and was still going to take that person anyway and when I started writing it it was just kind of a stream of consciousness and I I kind of felt like it should be kind of frenzied and and frustrated um you know this kind of 
uh, confused, just kind of inner monologue, you know, because I think that is, that is very much one of the key things when you know that someone you love is, is going to leave, they're going to be taken from you, whether you like it or not, you just have this, this, this pain, this confusion, and you're just, you're furious, because, because it's not fair, and all you want is for it to be different, you just want for something to change, but you can't make that happen, and it hurts, and you don't know how to process it, so just, as I started writing, I thought, you know what, a little bit different on structures for this, you know, it's not going to be a kind of neat, minimalist thing, because that's not what grief is, grief is not neat, it is not tidy, it is not structured and put together and, and nice in a presentational way that that's not what it is you know and so it's a bit chaotic you know especially when you look at it written down and you're like wow this is um mm." but I think you know that was that was kind of my point that was where I was going with it so I was was very happy with how it turned out um I had a little cry when I was (laughs) when I was writing it because um it just, I got, you know, emotional, it happens, it happens quite a lot when I'm writing, I just sort of start spontaneously crying, and I'm like, oh shit, not this, <laughs> it's, it's fun, we have fun, um, that was a bit of a grim ending to the show, though, I feel like I should <laughs> read something else, because if I just leave it on, you know, some very bleak poem about the the fragility of life that's a bit let's see if I can find something a bit more fun Okay, I couldn't find anything, like, not depressing that I've written lately. So, instead, I'm going to play you um, some things from my new album. Don't tell anyone, don't snitch, I don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) I'm literally only playing you, like, little bits, so it'll be fine, I won't get in trouble. Anyways, um, I still don't even know what I'm calling it, I haven't got a cover, um, and actually it's not an album, it's like an EP like it was gonna be an album but then I I took some stuff off because I was like this doesn't fit with the vibe of everything else so I'm gonna use them for something else um also I wrote a Christmas song this weekend ah yeah that's the thing I did um I wrote a Christmas song and I also and I I don't know if I'm actually gonna be able to release this I'm just checking out all the legal stuff but 
I'm, I'm also looking at doing a cover of a Christmas song as well. So there could potentially be two Christmas songs this year. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, places are more open around Christmas time so I can actually film a fucking music video this year instead of having to use old footage like I did last year. I am begging you, Big Sadiq. I am pleading with you, okay? Please. just Even if you just open stuff up only specifically for me, I mean, I know that you probably shouldn't do that because people think it's, like, favoritism or something. But I feel like we have a bond, bro. I go to Pride. You go to Pride. Um, I'm left-wing. You're left-wing. I think you're really chill. You would probably think I was really chill if we knew each other. Help help a bitch out, man. I'm just saying. Anyways, let me, let me play these clips. God damn. Sober, and you go through doors and lock as soon as you leave. You told me not to grieve, but my wardrobe's black and the house is full of flowers. I got hours to wish for you back, but you never come. She says I'm pretty like a pop star Bass, piano, violin I kiss her soul My girlfriend's got the The world might be ending And I'm done pretending So Why don't you stay? Why don't you stay? And I stay cause I love you and I love you cause I'm stupid I love you cause I'm stupid Don't ask me why I don't love myself Sincerely Jennifer with me, Jennifer Wan. If you want to find more of my work, you can on my website, jenniferwan.com, or you can find me on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Reddit, SoundCloud, and pretty much every social media website ever with the username Miss J Squared. Thank you to my amazing top tier Patreon supporters, Amanda, Kylie, 